Welcome to the Louisiana Sports Download, where we bring you exclusive interviews with sports figures from around the Pelican State, as well as in-depth content surrounding current events at the high school, collegiate, and professional levels. Please welcome your host, Hunter Bauer. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Hunter Bauer with GoPreps.com. We have a special guest for our Louisiana Sports Download podcast, and that's Mr. Eddie Bonine with the LHSAA. Mr. Bonine, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? Oh, doing good. Doing good. I appreciate good. you taking the time to uh, to talk with us today. I know you're a busy man, and uh, we, we can't wait to dig into what's been going on the last couple of weeks. There's been quite a bit going on, so let's get after it. My first question is, how much sleep have you been getting? <laughs> well, you get to be my age, you can get sleep just about any time you want to. Just stop for about just stop for about five minutes. You can doze off, but uh, it's uh, it's been okay, man. It comes with the territory. I've got a great staff, a very supportive committee right now, so it's uh, it's good. It's just you know how it is, Hunter, with the, what we got going on, man. It's it's minute to minute, hour to hour, month to month. Day to day, week to week, you know, you name it, man. It's uh, it's always changing, and and uh, we're just going to deal with it as as we as we need to, and try to be as proactive as possible. I totally agree, one hundred percent. Before we really dive in, um, I found out the other day that you used to be in the Houston Astros organization for I think it was from seventy nine to eighty five. Uh, That's correct. You were a pitching coach in the Giants organization, if if I'm correct as well. Uh, short, it, was a summer, it was a summer job. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, Mr. Bonon, before we get into it, how did being in that organization and then being a coach, how did that help prepare you for situations such as this or and did it prepare you at all? Um, you know, you've been in a, a number of leadership roles. Just talk a little bit about how those experiences helped get you to where you are today. First of all, I'm grateful for the Houston Astros drafting me and giving me an opportunity to play beyond college. And I had some good counseling through college. I was able to get my degree in the four years necessary and and uh, and, and leave there knowing that if I had the opportunity to, to to play minor league baseball or play professionally, you know, which, you know, go from any coming out of college that I knew that if I got to the big leagues, um, and I did, if I didn't, I had something to fall back on, which is the degree that I've been using for, for years now. So, um it was. It teaches you a lot. It teaches about. It teaches about bad food, uh, buses, uh, some great minor league minor league cities that I just enjoyed. And I was a guy raised in a small town in in Arizona, so I'd always try to find the greasiest spoon in town at night to to eat in. You know, starting in rookie ball in, in Florida and in Bradenton, Florida, and then Daytona Beach in the Florida State League, and then Columbus, Georgia, uh, for two almost two and a half years in that in the double A that double A Southern League. And then I spent the remaining three and a half years in, out of Tucson with the Toros uh, in the Pacific Coast League. And, and it teaches you a lot. It teaches you to, that to not respond to individuals that call you something other than your name, um, the, competi- the competition, you know, and, and camaraderie and, and uh, kind of like, like being in the military, I guess, to a certain degree. You don't get to pick your friends. You know, you get, you get assigned and you compete. I had really good managers, good pitching coaches. Um, it taught me to respect the game. It taught me to to uh, to respect the amateurism portion of a game, and it taught me how to how to play a game for business. And I think that um, that that helped me with what I do now because uh, the amateur part of 
of high school sports, which I truly believe is still the true spirit of sport. It's what we do in high school. Uh, and I try to keep it that way. Uh, but it, um, it teaches you, it teaches you how to have tough skin. It teaches you how to monitor, how to adjust. Uh, I was a pitcher. So if you didn't have, uh, you didn't have that good sinker that night, you had to go to something else. And if you didn't have that, you had to go to something else. And sooner or later, the last adjustment you were going to make was the hot and cold water in the shower, man, you were done and handing the ball to the manager and somebody else going to come in and try to pick up the slack. So, um, it teaches you valleys and peaks. You try to make that as even as possible. I think that's one of the things that helped me a lot is, is to try emotionally is to try to stay focused on the challenge at hand. And, and, uh, and I, I remember back in the day, a coach told me, Eddie says, if somebody's come to watch you throw and they walk in, they don't look at the scoreboard, they just watch you pitch for an inning or two. They shouldn't be able to tell by your demeanor on whether you're winning or losing. And, and I think that that's always kind of stuck with me and, and trying to maintain a, a pretty much an even a, a rapport with what I do and, and, and decorum. Sometimes I get emotional about stuff. We all do. But uh, I'm passionate about what I do. I was passionate about baseball. I'm passionate about the job I do now as an executive director and going into my 15th year now. So I've been doing this for a while, and, and I enjoy it. I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy challenges, not necessarily this one. Uh, but um, it seems like it's something that uh, – it happens, and we're doing it for the right reason. That's for the students of uh, Louisiana, as all of my colleagues do for the students across the United States. Um, yeah, let, let's dive right in. You know, a couple weeks back, um, the LHSLA decided to um, kind of modify uh, the fall sports seasons a little bit. Uh, you know, I know football's been uh, – the major talk, but, you know, you also got volleyball and swimming and cross country as well. But, uh, uh, Mr. Vaughn, I just talk about, you know, who was involved in, um, making those decisions. I know you said you, you talk to a lot of people and you get all and advice from a lot of people, uh, especially Dr. Greg Stewart and your executive committee. Um, just talk about how, um, what went into those decisions and, um, you know, how comfortable you were, after talking to everybody uh, about the the guidelines and the in the new fall dates, Hunter, this started back in March when we started through the, going in uncharted waters, and all of us, meaning all of us, meaning all of us, executive directors across the United States have had a continual communication. In fact, it's brought many of us closer than we ever were. We we always communicated, but this was one of those situations that that we had regular meetings, Zoom meetings, if you will, to discuss. So all of that part was in place. The these National Federation of State, uh, uh, their, their sports medicine advisories encompass of over 300 doctors and, and orthopedic surgeons and cardiologists and respiratory therapists and all across the United States. And, and they gave us, they got on top of this and got the initial guideline that came up on re-entering re and reopening sports, which we, we used at the beginning of summer. As you know, we, we moved our summer start date back from its normal May date um, uh, to, to the June date, um, which was beneficial for everyone. Uh, and we monitored it through the summertime. And, 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 and I felt as though that the athletic directors and the principals and the coaches did an incredible job being dealt this and wanting to have activities, which they did in the summertime, even though they were organized, even though they did all the, all the things were asked of us, were, whether it be the temperature check or the, or the uh, quarantines if necessary and the social distancing, all the mitigating measures we asked, even though they did that, they still had cases where they would come up, not only with kids, but also coaches. So, no matter what you do with the virus, there's always going to be a hiccup. And how you handle that hiccup, I think, is, is important. I think everybody knows that. And now we've moved to where we now are in August, and we're still handling that, but we're doing a much better job in doing that. I say that to say this. So when we looked at what that we were going to put out, 
for the guidelines starting in, in August for us is remember, and you probably do remember back when this all happened and we ended up having to cancel all the spring stuff. Part of that was that was sucked into that was, was spring football. So they weren't able to have the spring practice and have the spring contact football. So I stated that what I was going to do, because we do have a rule in place that if you don't have spring football, for example, if you're a small school, you share athletes on your campus, you haven't got enough kids to play baseball and spring football, then you can opt out of spring football and you get to start a week earlier than everybody else, hence the date of August 3 this year. So I stayed to my word on that. And, and we still implemented that to the chagrin of some because it was early, but everybody had been helmets and shoes, doing what they needed to with heat acclimation. And I stuck to the script, which was what we could do in phase one, what we could do in phase two. And when we toggled to phase two, and the big, and at that point, initially phase two for us was the static group of 25, which we could operate under. The coaches did an incredible job with doing that as well, not only in football, but other sports that were participating in the summertime as well. So when we got to that point, and we're able to establish the guidelines that we set out on the seventh. That's where we were. Helmets and show helmets first three days. Then you can implement shoulder pads. Those who didn't start on the third, on the tenth is the original date, right? So those who started on the tenth, which was a handful, started on the tenth. Helmets and shoes, shoulder pads. So they've already had one group that's already been in there over a week. Now by now, here we sit in the week we're in now. This is a week that the, this week where everybody's starting that hadn't started. So by the time we get to next Monday, one group has been doing helmets and in shoulder pads for seven days, the other now 14 days. So the heat acclimation is an important piece. That's where some people have lost their mind over what we're doing in phase two with football. That was been the plan from the get-go. That has always been stuff that we talked about, but there's no, there's no contact. And, under, I, and I'm not playing semantics here, but there's a difference in contact and a difference in collision. Right. Okay, and that was very specific with Dr. Stewart, who's done an incredible job for us. Not only is he our advisor, but he also is the advisor of, of the chairman of the of the American Conference. I mean, the AA, the AAC. So he's also doing double duty, if will, including at, at working at Tulane. So we've had all kinds of communications from not only him, but the sports advisory, but with his docs. Communication with Dr. Welch, who's the doc that's using for the governor's using with the Department of Education. Resilience, Louisiana, and the Bessie Board, which we're in line with. So I felt very, when I, I hold this up with this document, I 13, 14 page document, I felt very comfortable with it when we put it out. And you look at it, and I've heard, you know, we had the complaints, wow, I can't believe they expect us to do all this stuff. Well, what we've done is we put every possible stone that we could uncover, we have turned over. So we tried to think of everything. But Hunter, we haven't thought of everything. But at the end of the day, these these are highly recommended highly recommended um, requirements. Why? To keep everybody safe. But there's no guarantees that if you do all of this, there's still not going to be a case of COVID, cases of COVID, whether it be with athletes uh, and or the coaches or anybody affiliated with the program. So when we put this out, we felt very comfortable with it. To answer your question, Dr. Stewart had looked at it. All the phases had, had been agreed upon. We didn't just start doing this. We've done this starting back in April, May, June, July. It's been a whiteboard work in progress, knowing we would eventually get to where we are. Um, I testified as such for such in front of the House Education Committee. I testified the following day in front of Bessie. This document was already prepared. 
I had that. I've, I've been looking at this for 90 days. You look at anything for 90 days, and not like you have it memorized, but you pretty much know where everything is and what it is. So for me to say that my testimony was script, Hunter, it was pretty much script because I knew what it was and what we've been looking at and what we've been doing. My staff looked at it and worked on it. Um, when this document goes out, any major document goes out like this, I have an entrusted assistant executive directors. Every single one of them puts their eyes on it, including the director of, of the coaching association. Puts their eyes on it. Basically, they're they're my edit board, if you will, and take a look at it. And then we know that when it goes out, it could land in your hands. It could land in anybody's hands. It could be it could be it could land in ESPN in Connecticut. It no telling where it could end up, right? right? So anything that comes out of here, we're ready to we're ready for it, which is what we've done. So to answer your question on how comfortable I was, very comfortable with it. Uh, we've had a handful of calls with questions. They all been good questions, um, and we've had some criticism. But at the end of the day, we have to go with what guidance we're getting from the State Department of Education, Bessie, um, our state school superintendent. Even though we're a private entity, we share a very precious commodity. That's our students. And and I come from education. We're an education-based association, and I'm going to do everything that we can and my executive committee can to stay in compliance with all of that so we don't get out of whack. And at any time I put my membership, your membership of the LHSAA in a position where they've got to make a decision of conflict between what we're saying and what the guidelines they have set forth uh, in um, House Bill 59, which is now Act 9, which is what their guidance is right now for the minimum standards necessary to open our schools and participate in, in sports. Uh, and that's actually a good transition. So. In our media call with you the other day, you mentioned right off the bat, you said, what we do may not be what Arkansas does and what, you know, Mississippi does may not be what we do. And I think that's where uh, people were misunderstanding. They're like, well, this state does this, this state does this. Well, you know, what may not be good for them may be good for us. And so, you know, that just goes with what you're saying. We you know, you consult with your people, uh, medical experts, all sorts of people. And I, I just, I thought that that's uh, something that I wanted to clear up with people saying, well, you know, we're not doing what these, it may be different what we do and what they do. So that's where I wanted to kind of transition and uh, just kind of get your, your thoughts on that because there are a lot of people saying, well, even either at the college level, the SEC is doing this and so-and-so is doing this. Well, that may not be good for our student athletes or our coaches. And, and Hunter, it's a good point. And yes, I did bring that up that because of the bordering states that we participate, you know, we compete against Texas, we compete against Arkansas, we compete against Mississippi, we have schools we compete against in Florida. Uh, I don't know if we have any to compete with Georgia, but but still, the point being is we're basically the SEC of the National Federation, which is known as Section Three. But we also speak with with Kentucky and North Carolina and South Carolina that are also in that group as well. So. Um, correct, but we're one of the few states that are doing the phases, stages, stages, right? But as, as what's transpired, not sure when you're going to run this, and I don't want to date it, but what's transpired with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in the last 24 hours, um, and other the MAC and other conferences, well, the ACC hasn't done that, the SEC still hasn't done that, they're still making discussions to try to make things work. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to integrate sports, blend them back into the high school setting gradually, and we're doing it with, with, with safety. I, there's not one decision I've made here that's been unilateral, man. 
And I, I don't work that way. I've got 25 member board that represents every principal in this state. I also respond and answer to the 64 plus state school superintendents, okay, that, that I respond to. I, I probably have background other than the governor because he answers the 4.4 million people. I've got 13,000 coaches, um, 404 principals, 395 athletic directors, um, 64 plus school boards or superintendents, including the, the Louisiana State Board uh, School Board Association, LSBA. I have conversations with Ms. Pope, the executive director of that organization, the executive director of the Superintendent Association, uh, Ms. Holloway, the, 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 the chair of the president, chairman of Bessie, state school superintendent, Dr. Brumley. I talk to these people regularly because we all share the same thing, buildings, schools, buses, kids, sports, right? So um, we, we're all lockstep right now. And probably one of the best things that's happened in this, out of this for us is the communication. And we work diligently for that communicating piece. But I do talk to Mr. Lance Taylor in Arkansas, Mr. Don Hinton in Mississippi, Mr. George Tom in, in Florida, Mr. Steve Savaris in Alabama, and Mr. Bernard Childress in, uh, in, in Tennessee. I, we talk. Uh, we, we do because we say, hey, we heard what happened. And we do that. And we're all friends and colleagues. So we, we do this together. We, bought, we beg, borrow, and steal from one another and ideas. But what's good in Alabama, ma'am, is not necessarily what's good in, in Louisiana for more reasons than one, right? But at the end of the day, that's what we do. Uh, we can't compare state to state. Coaches talk to coaches. They build rapport with coaches out of each state, uh, with Texas and, and, and Mississippi and, and Arkansas and, and, and Florida. They build relationships good. But what's going on in those states doesn't necessarily mean what's going on here. And people are impressed with what we're planning we have in place because if you recall, I do, back in the day, guess which was the reddest state in the world when it comes to coronavirus per capita for weeks? Louisiana, right? And guess who now is leading the nation per capita and how many tests we're giving? Louisiana. So kudos to Governor John Bell Edwards. You know, you asked me if, if I could sleep at night. Someone ought to ask Governor, Governor Edwards how much sleep he's getting, right, because of what's going on with him and his staff, Mr. Cooper, and all the people surrounding him. It's, it's tough, but we do it because we have a passion, and we do it because we feel confident in the people we surrounded ourselves with, including the governor, on what we're doing and how we're doing it. So I think that that's why in Louisiana we're going the direction we need to go right now and, and are going to take baby steps to do so. Um, and what the last thing I want to do, Hunter, is what I said to you all that day. I leaned in and told all of you, at no point have I talked about canceling anything. That's not what we're talking about here. We're going to try to find a way to do the can, not the cannot, including if the SEC or the ACC has to do something else. The environment for college sports and the environment for high school sports are different. They're different environments. High school sports isn't a business. College sports is, is a form of business. There's a lot of money generated for, high, for college sports, not so much in high school sports. So we can do things differently. They definitely can do things differently. So to even compare the fact that we can only have 250 people at a ballpark come here, and hopefully here in about five to seven weeks or that many in a gymnasium, and LSU can have could potentially have 50% occupancy of Tiger Stadium, put 30,000 people in there. Well, why can't LHSAA? Because we have two different governances that deal with that. Does that make sense? Yes, and some people have an, and sometimes I think have a distance of seller, separating that with ULL or ULM or McNeese or any or Southeastern, Tulane, whoever. 
that they have difficulty separating that. And we're able to, be, we have the abilities to do that. And, and I think we pride ourselves in doing that. Uh, getting into the safety guidelines that y'all released on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, it was for each fall sport. Uh, just kind of want to hit the, the, the notables, I guess, from, from those, from the memo that you sent out, you mm-hmm. know, football, um, you know, things such as got to wear mask on the sideline unless you're playing, you know, 22 players on the field, uh, no jamborees or scrimmages now, and teams who don't make the playoffs, they're able to get a bowl game. Um, has there, that's an option. I mean, that, that's not, we, that's, that's just option. one of those, one of those things that are on the table. We want to, we wanted to get stuff out there so people could marinate on it and pick it apart. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, how, how married to, to that, is the association and could I know it's always a fluid situation, but are those things are those guidelines that could be changed as well, or uh, somehow maybe um, you know maybe some taken out, other stuff uh, added? Uh, how fluid is that memo? Or are y'all pretty much dead set on that? Well, for the for the time being, we're dead set on what we put out. Right. But if it comes to a position where we can, we, those are minimum standards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if we, we need to to um, to adjust those, we can do so because you mentioned it. Because this thing does change, and right. but I'm not going to go the other direction at the moment because I am hoping for. We've seen some numbers: hospitalizations going down today, uh, deaths have declined. Unfortunately, we had a, a a young child that passed with some complications with some stuff that's come up now. So. But that said, the numbers are going in the right direction for us as we speak. But a question came to us. I don't listen to this one. So football, 22 players on the field. They can wear a mask if they want to. They can if they want to wear it under their helmet, you know, their face mask. They can wear actual protective. They don't have to. When they come off, the kid going on in replacement, where are they supposed to put their masks? I, I, I don't have that answer. Uh, you tuck it in your pant. Uh, you, you, you have a, a pouch. I, I, I don't know. I don't have that. I don't have that answer. Okay. Um, stuff like that, you know, that those kind of questions, but having a water bottle, we have, you saw, we expanded or promoting to expand the sideline, the coach's box, if you will, stretching everybody out. It's going to look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Sanitizing the ball at timeouts. Uh, everybody has their own towel, no showering, uh, sanitizing the equipment after. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you have to do because the virus is so contagious until we're told differently. Oh, that's what we have to do. So you say married, married to it. I'd say, yeah, we're married to it. We wouldn't send it out there. Number one, but number two, common sense and patience, common sense and patience is going to be very instrumental in what we're doing here. Uh, And I'm seeing that from our membership, but I'm also seeing anxiousness. I get that too. They want to get out there. They want to play. And it doesn't help to go back to what you said earlier when Mississippi is going to play full contact football in two weeks at the end of the month. Right. And we're not. Um, and we're trying to get out of phase two to where we can get into phase three, where we have helmets and, and shoulder pads. And then if we see the decline, then we can actually put the lower pads on kids and work that to work on acclimation. And then after 21 days of toughening up the soft tissue, hence October 8th and 9th, right? right. So that's the plan. Um, our director of coaching was a football coach as well, other coaches as well, but kind of walked us and helped us through the process. We had a lot of conversation. We, Dr. Stewart is tired of hearing from me. 
and because he has a lot of things other to do, but he's gracious in how he does it, and he'll call and we chat. So we have we don't have scheduled meetings, but we'll call and chat. He'll text me. I'll check Tim. You got time for a minute? I do, and we talk, we talk regularly. So uh, can those be changed? They could be, but at this particular point, before I put those out, the executive committee saw those. They knew they were coming out. We had a Zoom meeting uh, to get that piece done, and, uh, and nobody got blindsided. Everybody knew what was coming out, and they all had a chance to see them. Um, talking about officials, referees for different sports, will mm-hmm. they be the ones who need who who will be tasked with? Infor- will those be enforceable guidelines by the referees? And if so, um, are there penalties that go with that, or any sort of punishment if, say, you know, half the sidelines not wearing a mask uh, when they're not playing, or if there's too many people uh, in a gymnasium? Uh, it, what are the what are the um, penalties for that, if there are any? First of all, no, I'm not going to ask the officials to take care of that because the officials themselves are going to be in charge of the game once it gets started. So they're going to probably be wearing masks. They could be using electronic whistles. There's a lot of adjustments that they're making. They're making as well. There's going to be medical personnel on the sidelines that's going to be monitoring it and, and and making all this happen. Seven out of ten of our high schools in the state are fortunate to have a, a certified trainer on on staff or some form of medical personnel. There's some that do not, but they get some kind of regional regional health provider that helps them with that. So that's going to be the responsible to assist that process. I'm not a head football coach, but if I was, I'd have a coach assigned. You know, you got the get back coach. If you got the get back coach, it's always getting your athletes back. The get back coach, you may have the, 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 the PPE coach, the personal protection coach is helping with that kind of stuff. We make light of it, but I mean, it's all, we're all in this thing together, right? So there's going to be some restrictions. And, and is it a pain in the hiney? It is. I get it. But in the gymnasium, there's an administrator that's going to be in the gyms, not necessarily on the sidelines. So all of this stuff is going to just take, like we said together, what's the, the mantra, man? We do this thing together. So whatever together means and who's going to do it, we need to do it. Because Hunter, there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be a team that's going to get a player or a coach that's going to get it. It tells you, you know, you isolate the kid. Then you do the contact trace. You notify your regional medical personnel. Uh, you start the contact tracing. You start doing separation. And if that coach happens to be a faculty member, guess what? Now that faculty member has reached how many students in the course of the day? you got to start through the process. Notify the parents that Coach that coach uh, Bauer had come in contact with COVID, and he's going to be quarantined. And, and, you know, you have your kids in his second-hour social studies class. And here we go. All that stuff is going to be monitored by not only your health personnel on campus, the athletic director, the vice principal of athletics, or the vice principal assigned to this, and, of course, the principal. So principals and vice principals, the the, uh, health providers, the counselors, uh, the athletic directors, man, they've got a lot of balls in the air to juggle right now with with what's going on there. Uh, And uh, and kudos to all of them for taking this on and opening up and, and do what they need to. And then, of course, we go back to we're trying to blend sports in while all this is going on at the same time without being disruptive with what we're trying to get done. And so for your indoor sports, as of right now, if we're able to reach phase three in time, uh, your indoor sports, I think uh, reading the Bessie statement in phase three, you're only limited. You're only allowed 50 people in indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence why we couldn't start volleyball in phase two. Cause you couldn't get the full, the, I'm going to say the full roster, but both rosters in the gym, the people, the, 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 uh, the official scorekeeper, it just, it, it just, the numbers weren't, we're, we're going to be too close, including anybody else in the facility. So 
that that was the safe part for getting it to 50. Then we're good and clear with that. And so that will, so will that eliminate um, parents or fans being able to attend those indoor sports or how will that work with, with that? That's a good question. And that will be at that particular point that will affect what fans we have, we would have in the facility and who's allowed in there. Hunter, it goes back to when, when we started this process and we may, we, I say we, myself, my staff, Miss, Miss Hoyt, my director of basketball operations, when we decided Boys State Championships, no fans the last two days, right? Everybody was out because they gave me a number 250. You don't realize how quickly you get to 250 people with just having everybody in the facility, including all the reporters and, and table personnel and officials. So I wasn't going to make a choice of what fans could get in, what fans couldn't get in. And even as cold-hearted as I'm accused of being, coaches' <laughs> wives couldn't get in. I mean, we just decided nobody. Right. And they did. And, and down in, in Lake Charles did a great job. Um, this is going to be a plug for uh, one of the, the, not one of our partners, but partners out there and walk-ons. They opened up their facility. I mean, it worked out really well for everybody. Would they like to have been in the facility? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the fan piece is going to be left up to the local education associations. However, if they still want protection under House Bill 59, which is now Act 9, which is known on the streets as the immunity bill, when it comes to frivolous lawsuits for that stuff, they got to keep the numbers down until we get there until the governor relinquishes and tells us differently. Because right now, in phase two, we're in a static group of 50 right. under the governor's rule. And uh, 50% occupancy, right? Uh, for restaurants and stuff, it's still all right. So those numbers are different than what we're working under because of Act 9. So that's, that's, that's a good question. And we'll get there when we get there. And I'm hoping sooner or later we can at least get the number static group to 100 or 250, whatever it is, going forward so we can get more people in the in the bleachers, and, uh, whether it be the indoor uh, indoor sports or even if when we get to football, where we can have, easily have more social distancing. Um, you know, over the last couple of days, going back to the college level, there's been a slew of coaches and players, uh, you know, making their opinions known on social media uh, that they want to play. And mm-hmm. uh, just looking at that, it, it made me want to ask um, – and I, I know y'all do, but how much of a coach or player's view on current events, things of this nature that's going on, do y'all take into account? Do you, you know, do y'all have representatives that reach out to the coaches? I know uh, Mr. Eric Hill does a good job uh, communicating with the coaches, but like for players, is there any sort of opinions that y'all get from them or from the coaches? And then how does that go into making the decision uh, moving forward? through all this mess snapchat twitter yeah we hear from kids you know uh, uh morgan does a great job uh, of, of monitoring that for us we we have i can honestly sit today looking at you and say we have had zero zero student athlete contact us and say you know mr bonine i don't think it's a good idea Eight out of 10, if not nine out of 10. At one point, it was about eight out of 10. I'm guessing nine out of 10 emails I get now from parents. Let them play. Let them play. I'll sign a waiver if I need to. They're a waiver, I'll sign a waiver. That's the kind of response that we're getting. And yes, we listen to that. But in the meantime, I've asked parents to listen to what we're asking in regards to guidelines so you feel comfortable that your student is safe. Right. And it might be overkill, if you will, with some of the safeguards, but it's CDC guidelines, Department of Ed approved guidelines, 
Bessie board approved guidelines, guidelines that our state school superintendent has seen, guidelines that our legislative body has reached out to us and said, keep up the good work, we got it. So I think it's just gonna be back to patience and common sense. Hunter, it's those two, even though I noticed some anxiety and some anxiousness, we just gotta be, we just gotta do this a little bit at a time and get there when we get there. Uh, let's dive in a little bit. So in the memo y'all sent out, um, talking about starting with October 8th football date, um, you know, y'all briefly explained it will start, it would start with the week three, uh, football opponent and work its way through. That's with the eight game format. If we're able to get there by the August 28th, um, uh, date, if we were to move into phase three, can you just kind of briefly explain how that would work? And if it we weren't able to meet that deadline, uh, you also mentioned six and seven game scenarios as well. Would you just be able to briefly explain how that would work? And would y'all have to cut the playoff field in half in some scenarios? And does that play out for all sports like volleyball or would that just be for football? Well, the football piece, first of all, if you've done the quick cowboy math and looked at it, an eight-game schedule doesn't have you ending on the 10th, or the 10th, 11th, and 12th in the Superdome. It's the end of the month. Right. Okay, which would be, uh, at which we're working with them now to try to, because so many things are up in there with them with what the Sugar Bowl, is it going to be the Sugar Bowl, uh, and, and the dates of the Sugar Bowl. Uh, so right now, with what those dates include would be the, four-week playoff structure, but also would include playing the Saturday after Christmas, that's Sunday and Monday. We can play on Sunday. It's not ideal, but we can play on Sunday as long as we start afternoon and it's for state championships. So we've done that before. I think we did it a year ago, a year maybe two years ago in baseball. We had to because of weather, right? So we've been there and done that. So that's, that could be our plan, that part. If we can't start on the eighth, the next week's the seven week. If we're in eight week, we're at 16 team bracket. If it's a, a go to seven week, then we're at 32 I believe I don't have it in front of me. I believe that's when those other bowl appearances. We've got some pushback on the bowl piece. Not sure if anybody wants to play those. You don't know, but it was just an idea. It doesn't have to be there. Right. But at the end of the day, that's finishing finishing in the Superdome, which is what I've been told is the the consensus of individuals that would like that want to do that. But Hunter, we also are, are looking at potentially because of this year, uh, we've invited to ask if the select schools would come wanted to come back and be part of our process as well. And, and um, the deadline is this week for the response that I'll get from uh, the chairman of that particular com- committee who sits on our board, which is Mr. Ryan Gregory, the principal of Brother Martin, who's also in the executive committee of the LHSA. He's doing that piece for us on the select side. So um, that's the plan for those dates. Um, seven game was kind of in football with the football advisory committee, nothing less than that, ideally. But also know that if we went to six, we talked about five. Uh, you know, just playing something's better than nothing. We just don't want to get there. So we're going to play this by ear, but we have steps involved for that. Uh, and if we need to go outside the Superdome and play sometime into January, I've had those conversations as well. It could be an outdoor event somewhere other than the Superdome. However, if the Saints, keep your fingers crossed, are still in the playoffs in January, which we hope they are, mm-hmm. multiple reasons. But one would be that would, the turf would still be down in the Superdome. Potentially, we could – could play in there uh, maybe uh, sometime in early January. That that probably, you know, that. So we do have some plans, Hunter. Nothing's in Eston Stone. I didn't write on the whiteboard with a permanent marker. We have not signed any contracts with the 
with the Superdome and Mr. Alan Freeman and, and that and the management company down there does an incredible job of making sure the prep classic is something that we can have there. And they're going to try to do the best they can to figure something out for us if we can. So if it can be done, uh, they'll, they'll find a way to help us get it done if that be the case. Now for volleyball, um, it's just a timing thing of how many games we can get in. Uh, we're limiting scrimmages. Uh, volleyball is a little different bird because if they do have a hiccup, uh, that game could very well be postponed and they can play it, you know, play four games in one week or four matches in a week instead of three or whatever they're going to do. Right. Where in football, if we have a hiccup, then at that point it's a lot. It could be end up being a lost week, whether it be a forfeiture, whether it be a, a no contest, whether it be a, a postponement, which you can't reschedule or just a, a canceled game. We're going to have that conversation on September uh, 8th and 9th when we have our next executive committee meeting. Uh, Can I answer the question? Did I get to the point? Oh, yeah. there? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So if we were to go to a 16-team playoff for, for football, traditionally district champions get an auto bid um, into the playoff field if the, you know, traditional 32. <coughs> is, that still, is that still in play if we're in a 16-team playoff, or does it strictly go by power ratings? How would that – have you all discussed how that would work? We have discussed it, but we have not made a determination. We, we're going we're gonna to get that work together. Probably a good question for, for Mr. Held eventually, okay. but we still have to have that conversation with our executive committee in September. Um, we, we didn't rush to get this memorandum out. We did it by time. We're waiting for the governor's last recent decision to win in effect you know, through the 28th. But we had had conversations leading up to that. So when's football going to start? Eddie, tell us when football is going to start. We need it. So we, we, we told them when football was going to start. And Hunter, I bet you can't guess what the next question was. When's it going to end? Well, you, you wanted a start date. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying? We're, we're working our way through it, dude. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but we wanted to get a start date so players and coaches can have a target to set up their practice schedule, what they're going to do, uh, because they have uh, numerous weeks now, long more weeks than they've ever had to work with helmets and shoulder pads. And Hunter, let me tell you something. We've had more coaches say, Mr. Bonine, this is going to work out. Here's why. It's going to give us more instructional time with our younger players that we normally wouldn't have. So let's make some lemonade out of the lemons, right? Right. And that's what a lot of coaches are doing. The good coaches are going to do that. It's going to get them to put in more on their offense. It's going to be them to spend more time on the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's, regardless of what side the ball is on, right? So they're, they're able to do all that, and I think that's what the good coaches are going to do, and, and, and it'll give us some time to, to work on that. For volleyball, heck, let's get to phase three, scrimmage at the end of the month and start playing on the first week of September. Phase two, swimmers and cross country. Those coaches and our, and our and assistant directors and, and Adam McDowell for cross country and David Federico for, for swimming and those, those, regular, those, those advisories, they have busted their tail and got outside the box and it communicated nationally with what they've got so they can pull this off in phase two uh, with the static group of 25 being indoors. And of course, cross country is kind of after about a half a mile kind of does its own distance, uh, self uh, distancing, right? So uh, social distancing. They did a great job on it, man. They've done a great job. Um, cutoff date for these fall sports. I know that's been a big conversation as well um, with the winter and spring uh, coaches, you know, they, not that they're worried, but they want to know, like, 
what's going to happen if football's pushed into January, February. Um, I know there, y'all probably had talks about that, and that's way down the road. But uh, initial thought or reaction um, to those kind of questions that y'all have had? First one is we don't have any plans at this time to adjust the start date for basketball or any start dates for spring. Okay. What we're doing is we're taking that the, the fall season specifically for football and we're compressing it to get games in that we can. And if it means that we're going to, on the other end, push it over where it's an overlap, there's going to be an overlap. How many football players wrestle? Quite a few. How many football players play basketball? Quite a few. So it is that is what it is. And what it boils down to is some of these schools that do participate in the postseason regularly versus some who may not are now kind of feeling what they feel like when in the regular season with normal scenario where they don't have their wrestlers or they don't have those basketball players until that third week of potentially the week before Christmas. Uh, and, and know that for the most schools in the state, Hunter, that week, not the week that we have scheduled right now for the prep classic, but that following week, that's finals week for probably 95, 98, 99% of our schools. So we try to avoid any type of competition on the finals week. However, in the spring, in a normal year, I've handed out diplomas on the mound or mounds is baseball and softball because we're playing right in the middle of graduation. Right. So that's, we thought about all, we try to think everything we could when it comes to that. So uh, right now we have no plans of changing the start date in basketball or the start date in, in, um, in spring, but we have had those respective coaches and advisories for those winter sports and spring sports submit proposals of potential working ways to do things. Um, but that's kind of where we are at this point uh, with those sports. Uh, I wanted to touch back. I meant to ask you about this and, and forgot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, y'all asked the the select schools to come back to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to clarify, that's not – we're not bringing the classes and the divisions together. That's just them uh, participating in the same venue as the non-select schools. Is that – did I hear that right? That is correct. We would add another day. Doesn't mean they're all going to play on the same day. We'd add another day in the in the Superdome, like it used to it was before they went on their own. We went out and played their own event. Mm-hmm. Same thing with basketball. Uh, same thing with baseball and softball. Uh, we would just go back to the format we had. Uh, this is for this year only. That was the offer. It's not a uh, it's not an end around by Eddie or anybody trying to get everybody back together and get the select non-select issue. Not at all. Not that at all. What we're doing is. Well, we mentioned earlier, all the stuff that all our high school principals, regardless of your of your determination or designation, whether it be a private school, parochial, uh, public school, it doesn't matter, charter school, there is so much the principal, vice principals, the guidance counselors, the athletic directors, and all of the staff have to do to get kids learning again, regardless of the the delivery system, virtual, online. Uh, blended models, A, B schedules, whatever it is, they got enough to do with having, having to set, put together a subcommittee to negotiate venues outside of the high school venues of their own to participate in postseason. That's what we do. Right. That's what the LHSA does. Let us do that for you this year. Let's get through COVID and then decide what's going to go from that point on. It gives everybody some time. Basically, what's the terminal? Hit the pause button, uh, hit the default button for this year. Let's just get all this done together, and then and then we'll uh, and let's put this thing, and then we'll go back to what some of the matter will look like starting next year. I know we can't predict the future, but could you possibly see uh, if the slate schools decided to come back, 
could you possibly see this as um, as maybe a kickstart to bringing everybody back together? I know that's a very uh, I, I know that's not a question everybody really wants to talk about all the time. But I mean, could this COVID situation be what everybody needed to come back together? If it's a conversation that will be had by the principals and brought to the executive committee in this in this office as a recommendation, it won't be something that will be generated from this office. Okay. Uh, reclassification. I know that was scheduled to come up. Oh, that's right. That's coming up too, right? Holy yep. cow. Yes, sir. I know <laughs> that was supposed to come up this year. I wanted to ask, yep. have there been yep. conversations about that? I know that with the virtual school learning and all this that's going on, um, is that going to affect uh, population, school population numbers? I mean, how will y'all go on about doing that, making sure everybody's, uh, I guess, basically telling the truth with their enrollment numbers? No, we're, we're good with that. We're going to use, first of all, we're going to do, do a, a data attendance um, and enrollment number um, um, comparison. We're going to use last year's numbers, okay. and we're going to see what in October, what numbers we have here. Take okay. a look at those. And Hunter, I'm going to tell you what, this will be my third classification here, right? We shuffle the deck usually for 30 schools. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, usually there's a movement uh, between that 3A, 2A, 1A, B, C. There's movement in there, not a lot 4A, 5A, so that the smallest schools that have petitioned up, or you're not seeing the big growth numbers, right? And, right. The, and, that, and that squeezed out effect. So... Uh, we'll be able to do the comparison, enrollment comparison from the last reclass last year, a year ago, this year's numbers. Take a look at those because you know you use, use the numbers the year before. So the numbers we're going to use this upcoming year will be what we'll use for the next two years, right? Well, I'm going to go back a year, look at those numbers, and we're going to do a comparison. We got a, we have a, a program that'll do that for us. Uh, then once we do that, we use regionalizer. We put everything where it's supposed to be. We're going to do that overlay on what it looked like two years ago, and we'll start sorting that through. And then, then November, I want to say November the second is that first um, is that first meeting. I want or November. I got it right. Hold on, a cheat sheet. November fourth is that first meeting that we have. Then we follow by November November eighteenth, and then we have a board of the executive committee meeting on December second and third. The second will be the third hearing, in lack of better words, that third meeting. And then the next day is when the the executive committee sets the agenda for the. Uh, uh, for the uh, the uh, January convention that comes up, so that's when that reclass will be will be approved and taken to the membership for approval. So, important dates for you, real quick. August thirty first, coming up the end of this month, is when proposals are submitted by by the membership uh, for the January convention, which gives us close to one hundred twenty days to review those. Okay, we'll take and organize those. Our next executive committee meeting in person here nine eight nine nine eight nine nine. Uh, uh, here, and then the following uh, two weeks later, November, uh, let's see, September 24th, um, we have the uh, handbook committee. So any proposals that were submitted in the end of in the end of, of of August, those principals that have submitted those will come before they hand the the uh, proposal handbook certified committee and propose reasoning behind it, get an opportunity for their day in the sun, if you will, to exactly see what it is. We'll talk through it. And then at that point is when those get sent to council, they get organized and put in place so we can get them to the November, uh, to the next committee meeting, which would be the December 3rd meeting to set the agenda, which gives us about 120 days to, to get everything in order. And membership has seen it ready to go. Okay. 
and there will be three schools, uh, new schools into the association this next year, Glenbrook, Glenbrook, River Oaks, and I think Acadiana Charter, if I'm not mistaken. I thought there was four, but three sounds familiar. And I think there was one that we didn't make a decision on. We needed some more information on, but there might potentially four. Yeah, less than five. Let's put it that way. Uh, just real quick, those are mostly MAIS schools or MPSA, you know, whatever they want to call them. Uh, have there been a lot of talk? I don't know how many Louisiana schools there are, but have there been many talks between uh, the LHSAA and possible other schools that are looking to get out because they have to travel all over? Uh, just wondering, you know, if there's been any conversations with other schools about possibly joining. Schools leaving the LHSA and going to the Mid-South or Mid-South uh, coming to us? Mid-South coming to us, yes, sir. We haven't had anybody request. We've had a couple of schools that wanted to do it, and I guess – um, I don't know this, but maybe in Mid-South, I can apply for membership today and have it by next Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't work that way with us. Right. Uh, your membership apply application, we approve it in January. You don't start till that following July. So there's a year, a year out process for that. And then when you do, there's no postseason honors for the first two years. You can apply for honors after your first year, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's a process in place. But no, we have not. Uh, we've had one school a year ago, which was a central private that was in Mm-hmm. The uh, mid south and now are with us. Uh, they fulfill their obligation. They start. They start with with us. Uh, so no, we haven't. We haven't seen that. Um, I haven't had any applications. We've had a couple of inquiries, but no, that's it. No. Um, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you go here in a second. I just want one last thing. Uh, there have been a couple of government officials around the state make some comments over the last couple of weeks and um, about the LHSAA and the safety of the student athletes. Um, Mr. Bodon, I know that education first, safety first is y'all's, you you know, your mantra, your motto. Uh, I just want to let you take a minute and just talk to those parents and say, or, you know, the LHSAA is doing everything it can to make sure the safety of those players are first. Um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Just talk about, you know, I guess maybe address all those rumors and misinformation and about how the LHSLA either doesn't care or they're not taking safety, uh, you know, serious or into matters first. Well, first of all, I would be speaking to a, a small number because the, at least the ones that have reached out to me uh, would have liked to have started two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. We're not doing that. <clears throat> I have a child that was a senior in here in Baton Rouge who lost his senior year, right? Uh, he's going to play football at the next level. I took him to campus yesterday. They're planning on playing. I trust that university. I trust the mitigating measures they put in place with my own son, even knowing what I know now about myocarditis and other, other potential virus, uh, virus variables. Right. I trust them. And we're only as good, and I say we, meaning the LHSA, is only as good as our building level administration uh, members, coaches, and our sports medicine people in the field. We're only as good as they are. Same thing with enforcement of our rules. We're only as good as our weakest link in the field. But we don't go into this thing, Hunter, with our head in the sand, thinking that we're going to be scot-free when it comes to no cases or bumping the road or – Schools that have already opened up and, and, and already had 
uh, an outbreak now by definition is is more than what two three cases. I don't know. How, it's more than like less than five cases is considered yeah. an outbreak. Okay, so that's going to happen. It was in the news today. It, it already has in mm-hmm. a school that opened up. How you respond to that is going to be the key. That's the same way it's going to be with the sport piece. How we respond to those incidents will be will be, be I think will be. Um, guided by what we have put out, whether it's overkill, too much, whatever you want to say it is. We've tried to cut, we tried, like I said earlier, tried to uncover every possible stone, but it's not a perfect document. And what we've given everybody is not a perfect document, but we're trying to do everything we can to do it. So I say to those who are the naysayers that says we can't, well, eight out of 10 of the parents say we can and they trust what we're doing. Okay, uh, if somebody wants to come down and read the emails, I've got them in a packet. <laughs> I got two more, just like this one. Okay, I've got, I saved them all. So if anybody wants to come down, you're more than welcome to come down and look at them. If you want to count them, you can count them. I've kept them because of conversations like this. Right. And, and I don't take the fact that they don't trust us personally. But Hunter, we have, we also have this. We have parents, which is their right, to don't want to send their kid to school right. because they don't want to, they don't want that congregate group, group of a thousand or 800 or 600, whatever it is, but they want to show up after school and play football. The optics aren't good with that. I get that. I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. The same, where I'm going with that is the same argument when people say, well, you don't care about kids or, you know, you wouldn't do this. If you had a kid, I had a kid involved in it. I got a kid at the next level involved in it. And you got to trust that. But here's the other part. High school sports, and I'm saying this in a, in a kind way, not a flippant way. High school sports is, is, a, is, a, is a privilege to participate. It's not a right. If you don't feel safe, you keep your kid home. Just right. like you may be choosing to keep your kid from going to school. And again, like I said, Prefs, I'm not saying it in a flippant manner. You don't have to do it. You hear, you hear the sports people, and if a kid at, at LSU chooses not to play because his grandmother has the, you know, has something or something, they don't want to do it. That's not being held against them. They're still getting their scholarship. They're still getting to learn. They're still getting their education. It's not being held against them. Nor am I. But if I had, if the, if the, the numbers were reversed, mm-hmm. and two people saying let's play, and eight were saying not, you and I wouldn't be having this dialogue, dude. We wouldn't. We'd be talking about a different thing and how we're going to do this and how we're going to do it. But I got medical experts, man. It's going to be the white suits, the white coats, right? And the, the nice suits. That's the doctors and the attorneys are going to tell us what we can and can't do and advise us. And, and, and I know that I trust our legal counsel. I trust our doctor who's telling us. I trust the doctor that's, that's advising uh, our governor and the residents of Louisiana task force. I trusted people and that's who I'm using as my reliance. And then of course I trust my executive committee to, to either agree with me, disagree with me, agree to disagree, vote on whatever. Uh, and then we move forward in a safe and, and positive manner. And, I, and Hunter, I think that's the, the message that I hope the parents have at this point. Um, I've been called all kinds of names since we got started here, but you know what? Um, it's a small number that are doing it. The majority of the number are applauding what the association is doing in, in, in concurrence with who we're doing it with. And we're trying to do it the right way because 
Students need to be back in the classroom. When I say back in the classroom, that doesn't mean brick and mortar. Back in the classroom learning, expanding their minds, get their mind off of all the rest of this stuff, and then getting back to playing sports, which is a huge part of, I feel, of the educational process for a well-rounded student. And how about the students that also play in the band, participate in the plays, all the, all the co-curricular clubs that they belong to, our student councils, our student leadership groups, all of those students, they need to get back involved. Whether it's virtually or not, they need to get back involved. I'm an educator at heart. Once you're a principal, you're always a principal. That's me. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. I, if I was out in the field, I would be doing what I needed to do, what our principals are doing. I trust the principals. I trust the superintendents. And I trust their school boards to make those decisions, Hunter. And I'm hoping that they trust me to make to follow recommendations that we're making out of this office. And I think today, they are. I definitely think uh, what you have just said is really, you know, it correlates with what the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey previously said. You know, I'm trusting my doctors. They're telling me the right thing. Or, you know, they're telling me what the right thing is. They'll tell me what the wrong thing is. And, uh, I, you know, I have to commend uh, the, the association and all the doctors and all the medical experts that have gone into this. And I, I really do believe that should this happen, that our kids will be safe and that the association will do everything they can uh, to make our kids safe. So, I mean, it's it really it's really uh, uh, a very good way to um, – I think it would be a good way to start the season. So, and hopefully we'll have a season. <laughs> hopefully uh, we'll be able to get to phase three and get things rolling. And, and I'm hoping that when we do get to phase three, and I truly believe we're going to, we get to phase three, that the Louisianians don't – slack up and go, oh, whew, okay, we made another and made another obstacle. We still got a long ways to go, long ways to go. And for Eddie, a long ways means we got to get to June. Yeah. We got to get to a June next year, June 21. That's where we have to get to. The LHSA is a service organization. You look over my left hand. I mean, it is my left-hand shoulder, right? It's my right-hand shoulder. What shoulder is that over right now? You? Right hand. <laughs> my right-hand shoulder in October, 100 years. 100 years association has been in the state of Louisiana uh, uh, governing and guiding uh, state high school athletics. And I truly believe that the 100th year is not only one to be remembered historically, but it will also be one historically that we'll remember. And and uh, we're going to get some stuff done, and, and I truly believe we can do that. But we got to do it all together, man. we got to do it together. I agree. Well, Mr. Bonon, I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, I know you're a busy guy. I know you've been over this over and over, and I just uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to, 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 discuss, to discuss all this with us. Well, I'm hoping, Hunter, this opened the dialogue between this office and, and, and what you're doing for high school sports. Yes, if sir. you hear anything, it uh, doesn't sound right, uh, it, it, wait a minute, Let's please contact myself or one of my assistant directors or, or, or Coach Held. And, and validate, verify what, what's going on to see. Because as of today, we had heard that as tomorrow, meaning the Wednesday, the 12th, there was going to be a big announcement coming out of the office of the LHSA that we were going to cancel or postpone fall sports. Oh. Not happening. So tell your listeners that. It, that's not happening right now. Okay, we're, right. we're moving forward with what we have to continue to do. I certainly will, and uh, I appreciate the kind words and uh, whatever GoPreps can do to uh, help the LHSAA moving forward, we certainly will. And uh, like I said, I appreciate your time, and uh, y'all take care, stay safe, and we'll see you down the road.